In this episode, we will be using BattleBards sound effects. Check them out, battlebards.com. And if you're signing up for a Prime account, be sure to use our code STACK to get a discount. Hello, stackers. Welcome back to part three of our special Pathfinder 2nd Edition mini campaign as Stack of Dice continues its summer break. If you joined us for the first two episodes, you'll know that this series has featured special guest Mike, who leads the Tales from the Glass Guarded World and Tales of Bob podcasts. Again, if you haven't checked out these shows, you need to now. He's a remarkable DM and GM who runs a tight, fun game. In the meantime, you're stuck with me, Rhett, the sometime DM of Stack of Dice, who is playing the human wizard Ringle Frick Plong, and I am joined by... Brandon, playing the dwarf champion Elric Broadfoot. Sarah, I'm playing the cavern elf rogue Sylvia Slippery Silvani. Mike, we are ready for you to take it away for this third part. Excellent. All right, so welcome back to our Stacko Dice Pathfinder 2E adventure. Uh, it, it occurred to me that we ought to have a name for this adventure, uh, so I'm going to propose, and you can suggest alternatives, the quest for the Scarlet Sandals. Does anyone have an alternative, or does that work for you? It's apt. Yeah, okay. it, it's on the nose. <laughs> All right, great. So we'll go with that. In the previous two episodes, the player characters were hired by Sal Graboni, to recover some magical slippers for a strange merchant named Sigbert. After doing some investigating around town, they determined that the most likely culprit was Grubby Maud, a hag who lives in the forest of the northeast with her flying monkeys. They traveled to a ruined tower on a hill in the forest and defeated two swarms of flying monkeys, but didn't find the slippers. Further investigation revealed a passage leading under the hill, so they bravely charged inside only to be struck by a trap. They then bravely continued more cautiously, and eventually found a woman who claimed to have been kidnapped by the hag. Of course, our heroes didn't fall for this ruse, and the woman transformed into the hideous Grubby Maud and attacked. It also helped that it had the wrong token on the map that made it clear that this was the hag. <laughs> but let's leave that alone. Uh, so let me remind everyone first that we are using the Foundry Virtual Tabletop to help make all this easier to run, because Pathfinder 2nd Edition is complicated. And speaking of complications... We have to start this fight, or resume this fight, with a correction. I made a mistake about Slippery's sneak attack last time. She should have been able to roll sneak attack damage. And this is because she started the combat hidden. And she has a feature called surprise attack. And it means that if she starts the combat hidden and rolls stealth for initiative, which she did, and acts before her target, which she did, then her target is what's called off-guard to her. Now, in earlier versions of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and in fact, all the way back to Dungeons & Dragons 3rd uh, Edition, this was called flat-footed, not off-guard. They're, they're the same thing, though. They mean the same thing. My confusion, in my defense, was due to a change in the language used in Pathfinder 2E that was made right when we were recording, like the day <laughs> that we recorded. <laughs> Uh, as the publisher, Paizo, moves away from language that dates back to 3rd edition Dungeons & Dragons due to the whole OGL, SRD debacle that happened this past year, 2023, they are trying to get away from using the open game gaming license altogether. And that means they're changing some terms that uh, are traced back to Dungeons & Dragons. They're changing spell names. I saw, for example, that Meteor Swarm is going to be called Falling Stars, you know, stuff like that. Um, other stuff's not changing. Magic Missile is still a Magic Missile. I suppose maybe it's generic enough that they don't need to change it. But Flat-Footed has been changed to Off-Guard, and I wasn't aware of this, and I kept seeing this term Off-Guard everywhere. I'm wondering, what, what is this? I've never seen this before. But it's Flat-Footed. And in fact, she was Flat-Footed to you. Grubby Maud was Flat-Footed to you, which means that Slippery needs to roll an extra 1d6 precision damage Ooh. for that sneak attack. Get her. So to do that, if you, you can get a physical die if you want, or you can go to the box in the lower right-hand corner of uh, Foundry, and you can just type forward slash roll, and then space, 1d6, and it will roll that for you. I rolled a five. A five. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to take away five extra hit points from Grubby Mod. Best kind of damage is retcon damage. Yes. That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, what else did we miss? Um, let's see. <laughs> Wait, can I, I get a... Let me make one more note about that. That <laughs> kind of damage is called precision damage. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good kind of damage to inflict because not a lot of creatures are resistant to, to, to precision damage. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Other kind of correction. Sari had another correction. I had, well, it's not a correction. It's a question so I understand mm-hmm. how my sneak attack works. Because I have a feature, and I tried to find it again on my attack, but it says that because I'm a rogue, and I could also do as a barbarian, that I am not off guard when I'm flanked or somebody's hidden or somebody surprises me. So does that mean right. that if I am, if someone is flanked or I'm hidden to them or surprise them, then I get sneak attack? No, it means they can't sneak attack you. But I'm saying, like, but is that not oh, the you're reverse, saying in reverse? What the uh, NPC can do, I can do. So it means that if that if the NPC also has that feature where they can't be right, I get that. I'm trying to understand when do I have sneak attack? <laughs> is it only that first round when I roll hidden and stealth, or can I get it if my teammates are flanking her? You have to be flanking her with one of your okay. teammates, right? If you can gotcha. do that, then she will be off guard to you, and you can once again use sneak attack. Okay. And that's going to be a little challenging right now because she is invisible, and we don't know where she is. That's right. Uh-oh. And that will bring me to the next thing we need to discuss, which is uh, perception and conditions related to uh, perception, which we'll get into in a moment. But any other questions or corrections before we get into that? I think I'm good on All it. right. Cool. All right. Brace yourselves, because this is about to get kind of stupid. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to get into the Pathfinder 2nd Edition rules about finding things, and in my opinion, these rules are unnecessarily complicated. There are six, six relevant conditions when it comes to finding things. All right? The first one is observed. That one's easy. You can see it, or if you have some other sense you're using, you know, you can smell it. You know exactly where it is. You know it's there. You can swing at it. That's observed. Right? Okay, that one's easy. The next one is hidden. Actually, let me just run through them all, just name them all real quick. Observed, hidden, undetected, concealed, invisible, and unnoticed. <laughs> all right? <laughs> this is already a mess, right? It is too late for Paizo to clean this mess up and make these rules tractable, but I still wish they would. I consider this to be one of the worst parts of the system, uh, the, the fact that there are six conditions with such overlapping-sounding names. So let's go to the next one, hidden. Hidden means that you are barely perceptible. Other people know what square you're occupying on the map, right? So they know you're there. They can't see you, but you, they know that you're there. They have some idea where you are. Like right now, Grubby Maud is hidden to you. You know what square she's in. Immediately the moment she turns invisible, you know where she is. You just can't see her, right? You could try to hit her in that square where she was just a moment ago. In fact, let me go to the map since you can't see her now. Let me go to the map. I can see something, just so you're aware, Mike. It's oh, a, really? It's really? a bubbling circle. I think that is the... slippery. Oh, is that slippery? That's slippery. Okay, okay, then I'm fine. I don't see yeah. I don't see her. Let me reveal her again. Can you see her there? Yes. Uh-huh. She is hidden to you now. Mm-hmm. In order to hit her, you would have to roll a flat check before you roll to attack. So let me explain what that is. In older versions of Dungeons & Dragons, sometimes you'd have to roll a percentile check uh, to hit an invisible target or hit something that's hard to find. In Pathfinder, they switch this to what they call a flat check on a d20. So the way this works is, to hit a hidden target, you know where it is, you know what square it's in, you just can't see it, you have to roll an 11 or higher on d20, on a d20, and then roll your attack, right? So let's suppose she just stood there. Right, suppose she just stayed where she was, right there on the map, and didn't try to move anywhere else. If Elric, who goes next, wanted to try to hit her, first he'd have to roll an 11 or higher on d20, basically to see if he gets lucky trying to hit her. And then he rolls his attack. All right, otherwise he would just miss. Also, and this is important, everyone is off guard or flat-footed to you if you're hidden, right? Right now, Slippery is also hidden because she took the hide action during her round, right? Which means if she were able to sneak up and attack, that someone would be off guard against her while she's hidden. All right? Does that make sense? Sure. Enjoy it while it lasts because it's going (laughs) to stop making sense real soon. All right? Next is Undetected. 
Undetected is what happens when no one is sure what square you occupy on the map. They think you're around somewhere, but they don't know where. Just like with Hidden, everyone is off guard to you if you're undetected. But now, in order to find you, people have to take an action. They have to take what's called a seek action. They've got to roll a perception check to try to figure out where you are. And so you would roll your perception to try to figure out where Grubby Maud is, and you're rolling against her stealth DC, which is 10 plus her stealth skill. But you, know, that's, you don't need to worry about that too much right now. Um, and if you succeed, you know what square she's in. And then you can go try to hit her. Now, you still have to make that DC 11 flat check because she's still invisible. What if you can't find her? What if you try that seek action and you're not sure where she is? You just, you don't succeed. You can't figure out what square she's in. You could still tell me, hey, I'm going to try attacking that square where I last saw her. I think maybe she's still there. Or you could pick some other square. You could say, I think she's that square two spaces to the left, right? You can tell me some square you're going to attack. What will happen then is I will roll secretly the flat check, and I roll secretly your attack, and if you miss, I won't tell you why, right? I won't tell you if it's because you missed the attack roll or you missed the flat check or she's just not even there. It's terribly mysterious. Right. Okay, so that's undetected. You don't even know what square she's in. And then there's concealed... Concealed is where you can see something, but only sort of just. Like someone is standing behind a waterfall or standing in a fog cloud. They're in very dim light, wearing dark clothing, and the person looking at them doesn't have dark vision. It's hard to see them. And in this case, you can target them, but you have to roll a DC 5 flat check. So you have to roll a 5 or higher. Otherwise, it's like you just can't see them quite clearly enough to hit them. And then there's Invisible which she is, she is invisible. If you turn invisible, you become hidden. If people were watching you when you became invisible, which you were, you were watching her when she turned invisible, and then you become undetected if they weren't watching you. Like, what if she became invisible before you even came in? Well, then she would be undetected if you suspected she was there. And then finally, there's unnoticed. So I, I should back up to invisible. Basically, invisible just says, hey, you might be hidden or you might be undetected. It depends. And then unnoticed is, no one even knows you're there. Like, there's secretly a red dragon hiding in the corner of this cave that's invisible, and you don't even know it's there. Right? That's unnoticed. There's not actually a red dragon hiding in the corner. I'm just saying, what if? Good. Okay? I don't trust you. All right, well, that's probably wise. <laughs> that is the right attitude to take. It's a blue it's dragon. A bro- yeah. ah, you got me. So when Slippery takes the hide action, she becomes hidden. Anyone who wants to find her would have to use an action to seek her location. And by turning invisible in front of you, the hag has also become hidden. You don't know what she's going to do next, but because we're learning the system, I'm going to straight up tell you. All right, I'm going to tell you something I wouldn't normally tell you. She's going to sneak, okay? And that means she rolls her stealth and compares it to your perception DCs. And if she succeeds, then she moves and you don't know where she is. And she becomes undetected. Now, if she can't beat your perception DC, then she's just hidden. And those of you who she couldn't beat your perception DC, you know where she is. And that means you could also say, hey, she's over in that square there. So let's suppose that Slippery spots her. Grubby Maud's uh, stealth check is not greater than Slippery's perception DC. Slippery can say, hey, I saw some footprints or something. She's over there. And the other two of you could then try to hit her if you can make that DC 11 flat check. So is everybody ready to actually try to put this into action? Let's do it. Yep. Here we go. She's going to try to sneak. So I'm going to roll her stealth check. 
And normally I might roll this privately and not even show you the results and just look at your perception DCs and tell you what happens if any of you happen to find her. I roll a 17. To find your perception DC, what each of you needs to do is look on your character sheet for your perception bonus. It's over in senses, over on the, uh, uh, somewhere on your, let's see here. Let's look at Elric, for example. Uh, yeah, perceptions on the left side of your sheet. For Elric, it's a plus seven. Same here. Same Z's. Uh, all of you have plus seven. That's right. Interesting. Okay, so you all have a 17 perception DC because the DC of anything is usually 10 plus whatever bonus we're talking about. So you all have a 17 perception DC. She rolled a 17, which means as the person rolling, if it meets, it beats, right? right. Which means none of you know where she is. She was hidden. Now she is undetected. Everybody follow that? Yes. <laughs> you <laughs> sound so convincing, no. right? Well, no, no I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, we, so she rolled, we rolled, and we tied. So no, you didn't roll. roll. It's like a spell oh, save roll. DC. That's gotcha. right. Okay. Now, and, and when it, when you try to find her, that will flip the other direction, gotcha. right? Yep. When you try to find her, you'll roll a perception check. Now you're the one rolling. And if you rolled a 17, that would match her stealth DC because she rolled a 10 plus 7 for her stealth, right? Yep. And that means you would find her gotcha. if you rolled a 17. Gotcha. It's not at all complicated, guys. Come on, what's the problem? <laughs> Saturday morning, who needs this? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I, I know this is kind of ridiculous, but this no, is the good. game. Yeah, You're doing a very good job explaining it. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm really trying. Thank you. I'm really trying. I spent a significant portion of this morning trying to make sure I understood all this. I'm still not completely sure I have it right. In fact, I bet some Pathfinder players will listen to this and say, no, 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 you idiot. You've got it all wrong. <laughs> but uh, this is what we're going with. I'm going to move her because she can. And now she's somewhere and you don't know where. And that's the end of her turn. That is, she used two actions to cast invisibility, and she used one action to sneak. And now you don't know where she is. And that means, Elric, it is your turn. You don't know where she is. Now, technically, I shouldn't have even told you that she moved, right? She may just be standing in the same place, but I'm giving more away than I should in telling you that you think she's moved. Roger. Okay. Um... Elric is going to attempt to demoralize her. Okay, cool. He will shout at her, you'd better run and hide. Excellent. So what you need to do then is roll an intimidation skill check. And let's see here. Where's your skill? Where are your skills there? Uh, yeah. That's a good so roll. So what have we got? 26. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> All right. So we're going to compare that to Grubby Mod's will DC. Now, you all have will saves listed in your character sheets, right? Yes. Your will DC is 10 plus your will save bonus. Her will save bonus is plus 10. But 10 plus 10 is 20, and you beat that. You didn't critically beat it. Remember, if you'd beaten it by 10 or more, oh, it would be yeah. a critical success. But you still got a success, which means that she is frightened one. So, I need to mark her uh, with the Frightened Condition. Now, for the listeners, what does the Frightened Condition do? And I can't remember all the things it does, so I'm going to look it up. There are multiple levels of conditions. So, when I say she's Frightened 1, I mean that she has the first level of this condition. The Frightened Condition always includes a value. In this case, it's 1. You take a status penalty equal to this value for all your checks and DCs, unless specified otherwise, at the end of each of your turns, the Frightened Condition decreases by one. So what that means is she has a minus one now to everything because she, you frightened her. Good job. Nice. Right? At the end of her turn, this will decrease down to zero. If you had made her frightened two, then she would have a minus two to everything. And then the next turn, it would decrease down to one and then tick down to zero. Make sense? Yes. Yep. Okay. Nice. So that's one action. I'm going to suggest that you use another action to try to find her. Yep. So you would roll a perception check. All right. A 10. You roll a 10, which does not meet her stealth DC, which is 17, which means on this attempt, you were not able to find her. You could choose a square to try to hit near you, or you could say, well, she's probably moved somewhere farther away. 
and you could try to find her again. Uh, yes. That was going to be my yeah, question, because you, yes. you do the same thing twice if you failed. You could do it twice. Okay. You could just keep looking. And as far as I know, there's no multiple seek penalty. You know, with multiple attacks, you get a minus on every subsequent attack. I don't think that happens if you try more than once to find someone, right? It's like you just keep looking. You don't get worse at it as you keep looking, <laughs> right? My eyes are wearing out. I can't see as eye. well as I could before. Thanks to that wizard. Yeah, so I, I think you could seek again, or you could try something else if you want. I think I will seek again. All right. Now that I know she's not here, she's obviously over there, right? Probably so. 24 is the success. Yeah, so you find her. I'm going to ping the square that she's in. Can you see that on the map? Yes. Yes. So that square right there, you see some dust lift up from the floor over there. You don't see her, but you're pretty sure you know where she is. And this is only for Elric. Only Elric. However, Elric, you can speak as a free action. She's over there in the corner. Three squares east and one square north. (laughs) Which corner? It's round. (laughs) (laughs) The rounder corner. uh, It's obvious now to everyone what square she occupies. So anyone that wants to try to hit her can do so, but they still have to roll that DC 11 flat check. And that means that we're back to the top of the order. I know it's maybe not satisfying to hit her. However, finding her is a big deal. So good job. And that brings us back to Slippery. Slippery, you are hiding. Okay. But thanks to Elric, you now know where the hag is and you know that she's frightened. What would you like to do? Sorry, I'm trying to think of the best use because I have three actions and all I really want to do is shoot an arrow at her. But I can't do that three times. So I was wondering... I mean, you could. It's just that you would almost certainly not hit the third time and probably not the second time. Right. I'm thinking, could I... So I'm hidden from her. That's true. If I were to use my action to sneak, I would become undetected if I stayed hidden. How does that actually work out? That's true. Yeah, that's exactly right. You would become undetected. Okay, so I do want to use my first action to sneak somewhere else. Let me actually make a suggestion, though. If you sneak and then you attack... Once you attack, you will ah, become detected again. Detected. Right, that's, unhidden. That's right. smart. It's 9.30. So, <laughs> so it maybe makes more sense to do your attacks and then do your sneaking. Okay, thank you. Um, now, is it is it sneak and then another hidden roll? Like, is that two actions to sneak and hide again? Or is it just... No, no, no. Okay. Sneaking would be hide. You, you would roll a stealth check as part of your sneak. All right, well, then I will just shoot at her twice and then try to Actually, hide. no, I'm sorry. Okay. That's I had, No, I'm sorry. You had it right. You had it right. Oh. You have to hide first and then sneak. You had it right. So shoot, hide, sneak. Yes, I that's believe the order that's correct. I'm gonna do then. I like I it. believe that's correct. Oh, I think that's dear. correct. I'm gonna read about the hide action here. Uh, let's see. You huddle behind cover, greater cover, or deeper into concealment to become hidden rather than observed. I'm going to assume that there are stalactites and things around this room that you can hide behind. There has to be something you can hide behind or else you can't take the hide action. Well, I'm going to assume there are things here you can hide behind. Um, I'm supposed to roll your stealth check in secret, but I'm not going to do that because it's a little bit less fun. Mm-hmm. And then sneaking would be like my movement. Right. Um, she didn't have to roll a hide check because she used invisible, which just Correct. makes you hidden immediately. Right. Okay. Once you're hidden, you can try to move while staying hidden. Yes. Right. Or in this case, becoming undetected. Yes. Um, and then you have, you move half your speed if you do that. That's fine. Uh, and you have to roll an, uh, another check. Okay. All right. So anyway. So first I'm going to shoot. First you shoot, and she is oh, flat-footed or off guard against you. Wait, did I roll? All right. Yes. You have, I you have to make the, the, off the flat check first? You have to roll the flat check oh, first. How do I roll but a flat it's not, check? Is it just a 20? You can just say slash roll 1d20. Okay. There's a little... D20 icon, I'm just going to click Oh, that. that'll work too. Yep, so yep. I rolled 18. my flat check. All right, so you rolled your flat check successfully. However, the attack roll that you rolled only came out to a 12. Yes. Which is a miss. Correct. You've got the right square. You could have hit her, but you didn't. That's fine. Right? I'm now going to hide. Okay, again. so make that stealth check. And that's a 21. 
All right, and I will check her perception DC to see if she can find you. Uh, perception. Okay, great. So now I know whether she, I'm not telling you, but I know whether she knows uh, where you are or not. Okay. We could do the same for your teammates. We could also check to see if they know where you are, but it does, it's not really important, right? I'm not worried about that. At least them. at the moment. So let's not worry about that. And now if you're going to sneak, I want another stealth. Right? So that means you're hidden, mm-hmm. right? If she wanted to attack you, she'd have to roll that DC 11 flat check right now, assuming you've beaten her perception DC. Mm-hmm. And if you want to move and become undetected, then you got to roll another stealth check. Well, it'll be a waste of my action not to, but I guess I can just... You could just stay there, or you could do something. If there's something else you want to do, but I mean, it seems like a seems like a good idea to try. Yeah, let's let's try. Why not? It's a one shot. Worst case scenario, you you remain hidden. I trip on my face and. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Well, even if you do that, she would just have a, an idea of where you are. She yeah. Would no, have I do to... want to move. I want to kind of move a little further in so I have a better okay. angle if she moves around again. All right, I'm gonna come right against this wall where I'm gonna imagine there's some overhang of the rock against the wall right. and try to get under there in the dark shadows and hopefully be undetected. Okay. So now you need another stealth check from me. Right. That also puts you within the champion's aura, which is a good thing. Oh, yeah. I totally did that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. I I knew what I was doing. (laughs) I've played roleplay games before. (laughs) 17 is my undetected, hopefully, check. Okay. All right. You don't know if she has detected you or not, but that's another pretty good roll. Listeners, you may remember that I said her stealth bonus is plus 7. Her perception bonus is also plus 7, so... I'll assume you don't metagame, and that means that her perception DC is 17. You have equaled it, which means that you are undetected to her, but you don't actually know that, right? I'm just lifting the veil so that you can get a better idea of how all this works or become more confused about how all this works. (laughs) All right, so that's the end of Slippery's turn. Ringlefrick, you have an idea of where this hag is. Uh, I am going to use one action to move. Uh, this should fairly centrally locate me. All right. I'm going to speak in her direction. I'm going to use Bone Mole. Ah. I'm going to shout, You would have to hide from us. And so what that means is uh, I launch an insightful quip at a foe, distracting them. Choose a foe within 30 feet and roll a diplomacy check against the target's will DC. So I'll do that now. Oh, no. (laughs) So that red seven there (laughs) means you rolled a natural one. Can I use a critical failure? So uh, maybe you stutter a little bit or something. Uh, However, let me bring up something that we haven't talked about yet, which is hero points. You each have a hero point. We're going to start this session with a hero point. I don't remember if we used them before. I don't think we've used them, right? I, did. Yeah. I think yeah. I yeah. used one. Yep. I don't remember. Yep. Great. Well, we're going to start this session with everyone having a hero point, Eight. which lets you re-roll something if you want. Yep. So I will do that, and hopefully this will turn out better. <gasps> no! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no, I, the I game look, insists. I look deeply into Elric's eyes and say that. <laughs> <laughs> is it a double failure because he's minus 10 from her dc oh no i don't know what her will dc is never mind right yep her, yeah. her you it's, need to it's, stop it's right a, there sarah <laughs> sorry. it's a critical failure it's a critical failure because he rolled a one yeah um, okay. however even if it had been a two and he added six that's his bonus and it made it an eight it would still be a critical failure because her will dc is 10 plus 10 or 20 okay Right, so either way, it'd be a critical failure. Okay, I understand. Uh, so on a critical failure, your quip is atrocious. <laughs> you take the same penalty an enemy would take had you succeeded. This ends after one minute, or if you issue another bonmo and and succeed. Let's see here. Normally, the penalty would be minus two. You take a minus two to what? To perception and will saves for one minute. Your voice okay, echoes you take back a minus at you. Two. Or if I issue another bon mot and succeed, then that ends. So I can try it again. All right. So I have applied the condition to you. You will now take a penalty. Uh, yep. To perception and will saves for one minute. Okay. 
Now what would you like to do? That was one action. Actually, I, I moved first. That was my stride. Okay, so that's two actions. I don't know. Sulking sounds kind of good right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sulking's a free action. <laughs> uh, let's see here. You know... I mean, you you could cast the spell shield. That's exactly it's what a- I was just looking at. I'm going to do that. I'm going to raise a magical shield of force. It counts as using the raise a shield action and gives me a plus one circumstance bonus to AC until the start of my next turn, but does not require a hand to use. So, yeah, I'll, I'll cast shield as a cantrip. So you are now slightly more protected. Your AC is now 18. Ooh, okay. And with that, it is the hag's turn. Okay. All right. So the hag becomes visible because she's going to exhale a uh, miasma or miasma of green vapors in a 15-foot cone. So let's start with that. That's a two-action attack. Can we see the source of the cone? You do see the source of the cone, okay. and, and, and casting the spell makes her, not casting the spell, making the attack, makes her turn visible. So there's a 15-foot cone. It's going to affect both Elric and Ringlefrick as she frees out this mist of green gas. Elric, um, what was that that you ate? Ugh. Uh, that, let's see, how does this work? I see. I have to refer to another ability to figure out what happens. <laughs> okay. So I need Ringlefrick and Elric to make a fortitude saving throw. So go to your character sheet and c- click on that fortitude save. Nice, Elric. Yeah, watch me. Team for Elric. The one Here thing your shield cannot protect. Hey, Whoa, nice. nice. Wow, you both saved 18 an 18 for Elric and a 24 for Ringlefrick. Nicely done. You both saved. It was DC 17. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any effect. Nice. Yeah, I don't think there's any effect at all uh, on a success. She, she can't use it again for four rounds. Nice try, Hag. And that used up two actions. And she's visible. For now. Shh, don't remind him. He's got an action still. Yep, and she's visible. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, she can't cast invisibility again. That's a two-action okay. spell. I thought it was a one-action. I'm like, hey, stop that. Nope, that's a two-action <laughs> spell. And she, let's see, anything else? Yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, she, there's no effect of this thing on a success. It only lists effects on failures and critical failures. Great. So, wow, good for you guys. Yeah. Um, and anything else that she can do? Any other one-action things she can do? Uh, not really. I think what she'll try to do is copy Slippery and... Oh, wait. Does she have any one-action spells? No. Mm, no, no, she doesn't. Not. She does not. Can you just She not? doesn't. Yeah, so what she's going to do is try to copy Slippery and hide behind some of the stalactites and things in here uh, to try to make her hidden, not undetected. You know where she is, but hidden. So let's see if she can do that. Let's do a stealth check. See how she does. Fifteen. That doesn't beat any of your Correct. perception DCs. And we, I still can't see her. I'm going to make her visible here in a moment. Excellent. So now you know where she is. All right. And that brings us to Elric. Elric the Hag is visible. Elric will stride over to her. Get her. And have a <laughs> take a mighty swing with his warhammer. I'm going to do something really picky here. You uh-huh. you walked across her area here. Okay. Uh, so you were you were over here to the left of Ringlefrick. Yep. Right? And then you stepped right and then right and then up and to the right, which mm-hmm. is fine. But doing that in Pathfinder means moving through some threatened squares. Okay. Do you see how that how it's red when yeah. I when I moved over there? And that means she would get an attack of opportunity if you do that. You don't want to do that. So yeah. what you actually they're always red. That's weird. All right. So what you want to do instead is if you want to move to that square, you want to go 5, 10, 15 like that. Okay. Right? Yep. To avoid moving through threatened squares. So there's a difference in Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition in terms of what triggers an attack of opportunity. In D&D 5E, moving out of a threatened area is what triggers an attack of opportunity moving away from someone. It's more gracious. Mm-hmm. It's more gracious. That's right. But Pathfinder 2E, just like Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition, moving through a threatened area 
triggers an attack of opportunity, right? So I'm just giving you a heads up. If you don't want her to have that attack of opportunity, you need to sort of be more careful about where you move. Okay. All right. Does that make sense, everybody? Everyone understand what that means? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. It's very sort of persnickety, but it's the way the game works. Mm -hmm. All right. So you've strode up to the side of this hag. Now what do you want to do? I want to uh, strike at her with my Warhammer. Nice. Natural 20 for 28. Great. Wow. Okay, so what that means is you're going to get double damage, so go to your character sheet for your hammer. Next to the Warhammer, you have two things listed. You have damage and critical. You need to click that critical button. 18 points of damage. So now you've got her number. (laughs) <laughs> right, she becomes visible and tries to breathe this gas on you, and you're not having it. Elric strides up and just clobbers her straight over the top of the head with this warhammer. Ouch! Eighteen points of damage. That is a heavy blow. She's still up, but ouch! That is an impressive strike. Do you say anything as you make this incredible blow on this evil creature? It's like a track and field person throwing a hammer. It's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you have an action left. I think uh, I think Elric was awfully pleased with that, and somewhat unthinkingly, he's just going to try to strike again. Oh, I forgot to mention that at the end of her turn, her frightened condition ticked down, so yeah. now she's not frightened anymore. Uh, but yes, go ahead and make your strike again. It's a 21. Wow. Nice. Nice. Wow. Okay. Well, that's another hit. Six damage. Six damage. All right. So normally taking a second attack, especially at lower levels, is not a great idea, but you've got sufficiently large bonuses to hit that for you it can be a a, a good idea. And your AC is low enough. So another hit. Nicely done. Uh, That means it is, with those three actions, that means it's Slippery's turn. Slippery. Your friend has just clobbered this hag twice over the head. So I'm undetected, I assume. Correct. I don't know for sure. Either way. You are. If for sure. I now move so I get better line of sight, does that make me detected again? If you don't sneak, yes. If you okay. want to move again, you need to do another sneak check. If you want to attack from where you are, you'll remain hidden or undetected or whatever your status is. Um, I don't know that I can. Yeah, what about line of sight? I know in D&D... Yeah. Uh, let's see here. If I draw a line straight from you to her, let's see here. There's that pesky wizard in the way. Yeah, you go straight through Ringle Frick Square, almost through the middle. Yeah. I would give her a little bit of cover is the way that would work. I would give her a small bonus to her armor class. Mm-hmm. So you can take that shot. It won't hit Ringle Frick, but oh, okay. she'll have a slight boost to her armor class. Yeah, I'll take the shot first and then move to a better position okay hiddenly great that's not now taking that hiddenly. shot does reveal where you are right right but you can hide again that's yes all right attack nice. natural oh, 20 no. yeah. <laughs> what are you doing to my beautiful hag <laughs> hey she got oh, my slippers we're getting a grubby <laughs> oh. yeah um, so that's another natural 20 for a total of 29 11 and 11 points of damage wow uh do i get sneak are, attack uh, in fact, you do. Was that already added? Uh, that was not added. Nice. So you need to roll another 1d6, and that is also doubled. Mm-hmm. So that's 5. Would make that, that 10. Doubled to 10. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you've <laughs> just about finished her off. Oh, dear. Hags are tough, so she's not down yet, but she is close. One more good hit could finish her off. Well, you know, I'm going to... I know I said I was going to move, but that was a great shot, so I'm going to do it again. <laughs> okay. Now you won't get sneak attack damage on this one, but you That's might fine. hit. Oh, darn. I got greedy. Just an eight. Yeah, just an eight. Now, an eight would actually be a critical miss, oh. but that has no effect in this game. Okay. A critical miss on an attack roll doesn't do anything. There's no special negative effect. Unless you choose to use the optional fumble rules. They have like a deck of fumble cards and you could draw a fumble card and something funny might happen. Uh, but we're not we're not doing that. Um, just because I'm being cheeky, can I just use my hero point and re-roll that attack? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just because, why not? All right. Why not? 
Nope, that was a bad plan. Nope. That was a bad plan. <laughs> it's in my back. <laughs> that was a natural yeah, one. A natural, okay, that's a natural that's what one. I get. But again, critical fumbles, you know, have no negative effects on attack okay. rolls, um, so it's fine. Then can I just hide for my third action? Yes. Okay. So make that stealth roll. Oh gosh, I think I know where stealth is on my sheet by now. Oh gosh. There's a lot to keep track of. Oh my! <sighs> wow. Lots I of tripped. natural ones in this session. So no, you 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 don't manage to hide. You you just can't find anything convenient around you to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Now that she's seen me. Yeah, so she knows where you are. Um, but she also has more pressing concerns right next to her. Fair. All right, Ringlefrick, can you finish off this hag? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna move down and then back up so that I avoid the control area. Right. I'm gonna reach out. So that's one action. I'm gonna reach out and cast. Bone Shaker. Ooh. So I'm going to grab hold of her wrist, or try to. Yuck. And she needs to make a fortitude save. All right, here we go. And this is the two-action version, obviously. Right. She rolled a 14. Your spell DC is 19, so she failed. So that's going to be 3d8 damage for 18. Ooh, okay. So describe how you kill this hag <laughs> using Bone Shaker. Shake her into pieces. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> I mean, I'll make something up if you're not comfortable yeah, with no, it. No, it's fine. Uh, I grab her by the wrist and I focus, I just stare deeply at her. And as I do so, the frequency of my own molecule speeds up and she begins to shake it, like her form becomes blurry and she tries to say something but it ends up sounding like somebody on a bumpy road <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess blood starts to come from her mouth because I've just shaken her internals way too much and she falls into a goopy puddle on the floor <laughs> and off of her feet pop two red sandals <laughs> Ew, I'm not curl touching up. those. <laughs> They're red for more than one reason. <laughs> I hope you have prestidigitation. <laughs> yeah, so you have defeated Grubby Maud in a gruesome manner. I mean, was there any other way this fight could possibly end other than something gruesome? Probably not. I look over at Elric. <laughs> look over at Elric and say, What's shaking? <laughs> I hate when you do that one. It's always gross. I do it to you once, and this is what I do. <laughs> so you defeated Grubby Maud. Is there anything you want to do here before you take these slippers and go back to town? Uh, we had passed through a room on the way to this chamber. You said it had some ruined shelves or something. And so I, yeah. I suppose on the way out, just checking that to make sure that there's nothing of note and maybe checking, okay. checking our way back through the I'd, caverns. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to check around her lair in mm-hmm. here for anything oh, interesting yeah. as well. Right. Thank you. I'm glad somebody said it. it, it I've had this weird phenomenon playing Tales of Bob where my players forget to check the bodies of the people that they defeat <laughs> and they forget to sort of search the area and that sort of stuff. And you can tell it's a new generation of players because when I was a kid, that was the first thing you did when someone goes down is you search the body and you search for... St- secret compartments and things like that. So, good job. Uh, well, we're used to things glowing in video games if they're interactive. Right, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just hit the alt key and it reveals all the stuff I can pick up. Um, okay, so I would like you to make a perception check, Slippery. All right. That's okay. a third what? natural one in a, row. in a row. I really paid for that nat 20. <laughs> oh. but we're also looking. Okay. All right. So the yeah, other yeah, two, yeah. go ahead and roll perception checks. <gasps> what? Can we restart this game? Okay. Thank you, Elric. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Slippery and, and uh, Ringle Frick are just kind of looking at each other. She, she's disgusted and he's embarrassed. <laughs> I think maybe you slip on some of the mess on the ground. No, I'm now I'm sitting not in. Slip up. I'm sitting in the hag. Uh, Elric, however, Elric is lower to the ground, lower center of gravity. He doesn't slip. He's looking around, and as you're searching the area, he finds a false stone and lifts it up, and you find 
the following. You find a sack with 45 silver and 15 gold, which is quite a lot of money, as well as a couple potions of minor healing and some spell scrolls. Spell scrolls. Spell scrolls. Do you mind if I take a look at those? Yep, they are Acid Arrow, Blur, and False Life. At least that's what the spells were called. <laughs> now I, they may change their names exactly. under the remastered version of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. We'll see. But you get some treasure, and you've got those scarlet sandals. Now this is the point in the PC game, or the you know the console game, where you would have to decide, well, do we want to keep these sandals, or do we want to actually take them back to the person who sent us on the quest in the first place? But I suspect I know what you're going to do. We're going to keep one and give the other one back. <laughs> We're going to follow the yellow road. Um, I'm fine with returning them. Okay. So you head back to town. Oh, you wanted to search that other Correct. area too. Yeah. Right. Let's go look up at that other area. Uh, yeah, that shelf. There was a, by shelf, I meant there's sort of a raised area in the cave that went back deep over to the west. Let's see. You start searching around. It appeared to be filled with trash, bones, cloth, Leather, bits of bent metal. Make a perception check to search that area. 13 for Slippery. 12 for Elric. All right. Hey. Hey, 24 for Ringlefrick. 24. So Ringlefrick is looking around, and he finds a leather bag inside a leather bag inside a leather bag. Exception. <laughs> and in that final bag, you find an ever-burning torch, which is a magical torch that never goes out, doesn't produce heat, it just produces light. Nice. And you find a cold iron dagger. Now, I, in the interest of time, to speed things along, didn't enforce some of the hag's um, abilities and such, uh, but she was actually weak to cold iron. Oh. If you had hit her with a cold iron dagger, she would have taken an extra five points of damage for every hit, or double that if it had been a natural 20, right? But you find a cold iron dagger. Yeah, I remember you saying, like, hinting, like, sometimes DMs hide useful things and stuff like right. this. And we're like, yeah, no, we would just want to go kill her. So. <laughs> In Tales of Bob, uh, we're playing the Quest for the Frozen Flame Adventure Path. And there's a scene where the party finds a weapon that can hit incorporeal creatures, creatures that are sort of ghostly. Mm-hmm. Our most experienced player, the moment I said that, he sort of said, oh, no, because that is a huge <laughs> clue that you are going to be fighting an incorporeal creature, and they're yes. really hard to fight. Uh, nice. They're very difficult opponents, right? So, yes, uh, it's very common in Pathfinder for there to be a hidden weapon that you can find or a hidden tool you can use that will be useful against the boss if you can just find it and, and recognize that it's useful. Gotcha. Anyway, good job. You walk back to town down the hills, through the forest, and down the cliffside passage, uh, uh, stairways, uh, and you return to Sigbert and Sal, who hired you, and you give him back the sandals. And he says, well, welcome back, how delightful. Here's your well-earned reward. And he gives you the gold as promised and gives some to Sal as promised, for uh, hiring you. And Sigbert says, well, I guess I'll be shutting down here and making arrangements to have the shop move to, uh, what's it called? Uh, Absalom. Yes, Absalom. Maybe I'll see you there someday. And he immediately pulls up the counter, and with that, the shop is closed. Bye, Sigbert. Sal says, uh, well, that was, uh, that was interesting. Uh, you seem like the, the sort of people I can do business with, right? If the job is right. I'm, uh, I'm heading back to Absalom on a ship tomorrow. Would you like to join me? I think I may have another job for you. Elric, what do you think? Well, my work here is done, although I may want to look into that shop set up and disappearing technology for... I think that'd be very wise. Uh, sort of a yield deployed temple. Sounds great. <laughs> Did I ever get the book that I came for? Uh, yeah, I assume that you, you actually got the book okay. and that Elric did the scouting for the Temple of Iomadai or Shrine of Iomadai that he was interested in. Uh, I think we've done everything we set out to do here. Uh, 
Sal, I think it's safe to say we are happy to come with you. And, uh, Slipper, you, uh, you in for another, uh, another job? She doesn't say anything. She just shuffles a little closer. She's got her hood up. I'll take that as a yes. And with that, we're done. The end. Hooray. Hey. Good job. Good job, everyone. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you very for putting much, up Mike. with all our questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I have questions. It's it's a complicated system. Yeah. We, we nobody got knocked unconscious, so I didn't get to go over how the death and dying rules work. They're different from what you're used to in Dungeons and Dragons. No, we don't need that stuff. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll We're never heroes. die. We'll live forever. Well, I wanted to take a moment at the end of the actual adventure to just talk informally about our experience, our thoughts on the system. So uh, this is an open forum. If you have any observations or thoughts about Pathfinder as a system, I bought the Humble Bundle that Brandon keyed me into mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. So for five bucks, I got the player's handbook. I got the character sheets and some other things and started looking. I got about a chapter and I was like, this feels exactly the same as D&D because, &D. you know, a lot of the same terminology and I, I didn't get far enough to realize there's a lot more to it. But of course, listening to the Tales of Bob podcast, you know, I'm obviously hearing some things and thinking, wow, there's there's a lot to this. Did you play D&D &D 3E or 3.5? Uh, I dabbled very, very briefly in 3. Uh, 3 and 3.5 was my hiatus from D&D. &D. I see. Yeah. So if you played those editions, I think Pathfinder will feel more comfortable. It's crunchier. Uh, I mean, it, its nickname is Mathfinder, <laughs> and that was that was for first edition. Second edition is more streamlined than first edition, um, but it's still pretty complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, there's forty something conditions. D and D has like fifteen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Pathfinder has forty something. I, I mean, if I could talk about it for a moment, I like D and D five e. I know a lot of Pathfinder two e players are like, oh, this is the best, and nobody should play D and D five e. I like D and D five e. Uh, I like that it's streamlined. If you want to make it tactically deep, you can do that. It is an interesting system that you can make deep if you want to. Pathfinder is inherently deeper, <clears throat> more complex. It rewards system mastery. That's good. But that's not... Uh, that doesn't mean it's better. Mm -hmm. Right? It's different. Sure. They're making a different set of trade-offs. Pathfinder is deeper and more tactically interesting but it's also more complicated. That, that, that gain comes at the cost of complexity. There's more to keep track of. Character sheets are more complicated. Your abilities are more complicated. Monsters are more complicated. I've got this huge list of abilities here for this monster. Um, I like it, but it is harder to learn and harder to play. But I, don't know. I think having something like Foundry, where a lot of that overhead is taken into account already, is helpful. Agreed. Try, imagine trying to play this and keep track of everything without Foundry. People do it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to do it, but people do it. Yeah. I don't know. Sarah and Brandon, what did you think? And it's okay to be negative. Thoughts. You're no, like, this is I have too lots much. Of thoughts. Cool. It wasn't, my thoughts aren't negative. I did like it. What I thought was surprising to me, I was really nervous coming into the game uh, because I'm like, it's a new system. I didn't put as much effort as I should have put into in my homework up front. So I was afraid that I was going to come in really unprepared. But once we started playing, um, it really didn't feel much different from playing D&D. &D. Now, the the two things that I had complaints about after the first game, one of them we cleared up, which was sneak attack, because I was like, I have no idea how to proc sneak attack on my rogue. I have yet to fi figure it out. I have done no sneak attacks. I don't know what I'm doing. But the other thing that, that kind of turned me off was when we were in exploration mode, we could only do one thing. Like, I can't hide and look for traps. I can only right. look for traps or hide. And that was frustrating to me. And I think what's frustrating to me in that is I'm coming into role-playing games from a novel writing background. So I'm all about the story and the explaining and the story that goes into it. And Pathfinder, as you pointed out, is much more rules and number heavy. And I like right. rules. Um, a lot of people complain about D&D, there's too many rules. I think rules make the safe boundaries where the story can flourish. But I had a hard time getting into a storytelling mode because I was trying to keep track of what mechanically I am and am not allowed to do to make sure I don't go over my three actions right. while still telling a good story. And I think that's just something that comes through time, that once the rules become 
known to me, it's a lot easier for me to turn my creative brain on on and turn off my math brain. Because once math and numbers starts going, I have a hard time connecting. I'm um, with you 100%. When I started doing Tales uh, for Tales of Bob, when we started playing this this campaign, uh, the, the Quest for the Frozen Flame campaign, I had never run Pathfinder before. Mm-hmm. My first time running Pathfinder was for a podcast game. Uh, <laughs> and it was pretty intimidating no using pressure. Foundry and everything. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, it was difficult for me to focus on story and character and narrative mm-hmm. while doing all this mechanical stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really difficult. Uh, and it get, it gets easier, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is different. Mm-hmm. I will say when it comes to exploration mode, remember that if like a trap comes up, you do get a perception check usually to avoid it by default, or some kind of reflex save or something. Yeah. You're assumed to be watching out for traps at all times. It's just that if you choose to make your your action, the focus of your activity, trying to find traps, well, then you're going to be extra focused on it, right? Right. Um, but you're right that it is kind of weird that you can't both try to keep an eye out for traps and ambushes, like uh, look out for a fight, right? right? You, can't, <laughs> you can't both give everyone a plus one to their initiative and keep an eye out for traps. It's a little weird, but that's the way the game is designed. It's, it's they're trying to make almost everything mechanical. And once everyone does become more comfortable with the rules, then the role playing and story does start to come out more. Mm-hmm. But I agree it is a very mechanical system. And I also agree that it's actually very similar to Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. right? People talk about how uh, people act as though there's this enormous gulf between them, but there is not. Mm-hmm. they're much more similar than if we were to play a Powered by the Apocalypse game, mm-hmm. right? Which is everything is just rolling 2d6. And a 1 through a 6 is a failure, a 7 through 9 is a partial success, and a 10 or 11 or 12 is a full success, mm-hmm. right? That system is radically different mm-hmm. from either of these, right? And there are a lot of games like that that people really enjoy. Um, yeah, and they're much more narrative-focused than than these are. So yes, I agree. It's not as big a departure from D&D 5e as people make it out to be. They're mm-hmm. very similar, combat-focused, crunchy systems. Yeah. Well, and I liked I liked the when looking at my character sheet. Now I didn't have the experience of building my character, but I I like what I've read about how to build a character. I like the like expert trained novice kind of tears right. i know those aren't all the correct words but i like that because i think that's something that gets frustrating in D that if you're doing a skill check and like the squishy wizard rolls a nat 20 on a strength thing <laughs> it's like well your strength's right. only 11 you shouldn't be able to succeed and so i mean i always house rule it that if we're doing a skill check you can only do something you're proficient in things like that but right it's not as That's tiered, and I like the steps of, of experience and training that Pathfinder gives. I think that's really cool. Also, Pathfinder lets you customize your character much more. Yeah. In D&D, there are far fewer choices about how your character progresses. You usually get a choice around second or third level about something about your subclass, mm-hmm. right? So you get some sort of path. You get to choose what kind of barbarian are you. You get spell choices, and you get a feat every once in a while or an ability score increase, right? Yeah. A feat or an ability score increase. And Pathfinder, you get stuff every level. You're mm-hmm. making feat choices every level. You're choosing how to improve skills every level, right? So that my 10th level fighter is radically different from your 10th level fighter, even if we're both mm-hmm. humans, mm-hmm. right? They're incredibly customizable, which is great. It also is a problem because you could really screw up. <laughs> oh, no. Right? You can really screw up your character build in a way that D&D doesn't let you. D&D just says, you're going to be fine. You make some choices. They're all going to work out. They're all functional, mm-hmm. right? Pathfinder, you can screw up and make choices that are going to burn you later. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your, D- your GM is, is generous, then they'll let you change stuff, change out feats so that it doesn't turn out to be a disaster. And then there's Mike. And then there's me, and I just <laughs> say no. No to everything. Brandon, any thoughts? Uh, I, uh, I really enjoyed... Pathfinder, um, coming out of the first play session, I was telling people about it. This is cool. It's like D&D, but there's this cool action economy stuff. Um, I really appreciate the extra structure. There are things in, I, I love D&D 5e, um, but there are things that it doesn't simulate well. 
Mm -hmm. And so when you add more parameters to the simulation, you get a better simulation. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. Otherwise, you're just, you know, playing life. Or um, GURPS. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, if you want complete simulation of everything, you play GURPS. So I, I think Pathfinder is a lot of fun. Um, I've worked just a little teeny tiny bit on sort of a, if I were going to make a tabletop role-playing game, how would it be different from 5e? It actually ended up being kind of similar to the things that I found in Pathfinder. So nice. I, cool. I guess that's good. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm inclined to like it because those are the types of decisions I was making anyways. Well, let me mention one more thing for listeners about Pathfinder. If you'd like to play, all the rules, literally all of them, are available online at a price of zero. Right? If you go to Archives of Nethys, just Google that. Try your best guess at the I'll spelling. I'll throw in the show notes, too. Cool. You, you will find all the rules. Now, they're scattered around in a format that's not maybe the best for building a character, but what you can do is go to Foundry and buy a Foundry subscription. It's not that expensive. Buy, I mean, not even a subscription, just buy access to Foundry. I don't remember what the pricing is, but it's not terrible. And you can build a character using Foundry. Another site you can use, um, and it's even cheaper than Foundry, you can use what's called Path Builder. And you can build a character using their web interface. There might even be a free version, I'm not sure. And you can also access all the rules to build a character Start out as a first level character. It's it's it gets much. We started out here as third level, right? Third level. Yes. Uh, and it's much more complicated. Um, but uh, you can build a character basically using very little. Mm -hmm. uh, you can buy the book and try to build it using pencil and paper. I actually think that's a little difficult mm -hmm. compared to using an app. Uh, but everything you need is online. All the rules are online for price of zero. Uh, give it a try. Finding people to play with might be a little more difficult than 5e. Mm -hmm. There are forums you can use for that, for finding groups to play. If you want to listen to podcasts where people are playing uh, Pathfinder 2e, I've already mentioned many times, Tales of Bob, we're currently in a Pathfinder 2e campaign. We won't always play that, but we're currently playing Pathfinder 2e. Uh, and the um, Glass Cannon podcast, which, by the way, is not clean. It is very much a not-family-friendly podcast. Uh, but they are playing uh, several second edition Pathfinder uh, campaigns. Um, I'm sure there are some others I just don't know. Uh, but yeah, there are ones you can listen to to get more of an idea of how the system works. Um, anything else? Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to you, Mike. Uh, you did a great job teaching us this system. Yeah. Like I oh, never great, felt overwhelmed or confused or frustrated. Even what I was like, what I shared, what I was frustrated about, that wasn't you. That was the game. Um, so I just really want right, to thank thanks. you for, for yeah. doing this for us. I had a really good time. So Well, I owe it all to Sean uh, of the House of Bob podcast and SeanMakes.com if you want to go to uh, look at some of his art that he's done. Uh, Sean taught us how to play, and uh, we, we, we've only learned because he's so good at teaching it. Uh, so thanks to Sean. Mm -hmm. And thanks to Rhett for uh, letting me take over the podcast for several episodes. It's I appreciate been a lot it. a lot of fun, Mike. I appreciate you guiding us through our first foray into Pathfinder 2E. For those of you who haven't yet done so, please, please go check out Mike's double podcast presence. He hosts both uh, Tales from the Glass Guarded World, which is a very great story. In fact, you're about to get back to your main story here shortly. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. As well as Tales of Bob that he's talked about. It's been an honor to get to share this recording with you. And I, like I said mm -hmm. last time, it's been a lot of fun to get to interact more directly. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate our online conversations. Rhett is a very learned fellow. Uh, and uh, I've enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone. Yeah. And I left a dangling plot hook you at the did. end there. Maybe we can do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah. And thank you also both to Sarah and Brandon for joining us on Saturday mornings. It's good to hear new voices in this show, and we've got great things to look forward to. And with that, thank you very much, Stackers, for joining us. We'd love to know what you think. Hit us up on our social media presence, Twitter slash X and Instagram at StackoDice. And also email stack.o.dice at gmail.com or on our Discord server. Information about that on our Twitter feed. We'll see you here again next time right here at Stack of Dice.
Test one, two, one, two. I, okay, I good closed here. my audio settings dialog. Can you still hear me? Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, to keep your hand on top of your head. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So welcome back to our stack of dice. Sorry, not stack of dice. I can't say that. Welcome back to our stack of dice. Pathfinder 2E adventure. The 10 is compared to her stealth DC. Which is ten plus seven. Hold on. He doesn't care. He's he's done. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't win, so he's lo- he's just gone. That's right. <laughs> Rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> Forget this game. I'm out of here. <laughs> he's got two little boys. Probably tapping at the door. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. All right. So, are you, oh, I couldn't hear you. Try it again. Sorry. I'm back. Okay. Good. Why can't I not move my token? Oh, I know why. I forgot to unpause the game. I do that all (laughs) the time. Pretty much every session, someone has to tell me to unpause the game. You take a minus two to what? To perception and will saves for one minute. Your voice echoes back Okay, you take a minus two. Or if I issue another bon mot and succeed, then that ends. So I can try it again. Oh, uh, you know what? I think I just tried to impl- apply that condition to you, but I think it gave you a benefit or something. Hold on. <laughs> Where do I check your conditions? Conditions. Oh, yeah. I want to get rid of that. Um, oh, I gave you the critical success version. Let me see if I can give you the regular. What I really su- deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia's imposter syndrome's running off on you. And with that, it is the hag's turn. Now, unfortunately, you're gonna cut this part out. I'm gonna put this out. Uh, cut this part out, right, Brett? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I spent my morning trying to figure out how perception and hiding and undetection works, and didn't look at what the hag can do. <laughs> so now I have to try oh, totally to remember. <laughs> We've all been there. Try to remember what the hag can do. Um, Okay. Cool. That's where the music comes in. I appreciate how your spell jammer is trying to eat your head, Mike. Yeah, it is. It's got me. Uh. (laughs) I took a screenshot. I'll share it. <laughs> I'll share it on the on our Discord. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, let me stop my local recording. Uh,